We all have a creative part of our brain, whether we use it or not, for generating new ideas, problem solving, and just viewing ourselves in this world. I am Ricky McGeckron, an artist living in Chicago, and I am eager to know and share with you all how people of a creative leaning have brought this way of thinking to the forefront and how it has shifted outcomes. I saw Eleanor's paintings in Chicago's Hofheimer Gallery and found them incredibly interesting and thought-provoking. I then met her in person, and she was as unique as her paintings. I host a web series called Checking In With, where I have artists present a selection of their artwork and talk about it. The series is a platform for artists to say what they want, and I generally don't ask too many questions. I don't want to influence the conversation too much. I had Eleanor as a guest, and as she discussed her paintings, I generated many questions for her. But I held back. But I knew that there was more for me to uncover. Eager to know would be the perfect place for my questions to be answered. Before we get to our talk, I'd like to read Eleanor's artist statement from her website, because I think it frames her artwork and our conversation quite nicely. I grew up on a small farm in northern New Mexico. In the untamed orchard, behind the house and over the irrigation ditch, I found a place of quiet and solitude. This was a world where I could play undisturbed by the world. It was among the overgrown plum trees and the elderly apple trees that I first discovered the mysteries of nature, life, and death. As an adult, I return to the orchard in my work. The depiction of nature has become a metaphor for my personal experience and my relationship to the world. With that, I'm pleased to share my conversation with artist Eleanor Spice Ferris. So what are we doing here today? You don't want to talk about my art and God, that's hard for me. Um, well, we can talk about whatever you want to talk about if you're, uh, so what happened was when we did the checking in, when I did the checking in with you, there were, I had a lot of questions about, there's a lot going on up here with you, which is expressing itself on the canvas. And I kind of had a lot of questions about that. Um, you know, like where, where things came from. So I think what I want, does that make sense? Yes. Do go for it. Are you okay uh, if I if I just ask you questions about your history and how you got into art and things of that nature? You know nature? what? You're the boss. Okay, that's what I like to hear. You're the you're the one who is running this show, and um, I'm just here to hopefully make you happy. <laughs> okay. Well, you definitely you you made me happy just by being here. Okay. So let's start with let's start with this. Um, so when we did the checking in with, which was uh, you know a video that we did where we were looking at your artwork and you were talking about uh, talking about the artwork and there was a lot going on inside your head that was coming out on the canvas. Um, so it was, and so I thought I found that to be very interesting. Can you tell me like when that type of stuff happened with you in your head? Um, were you doing that, expressing what was going on inside of you as a kid? Were you an artsy kid? Yes, I was. I was um, um, 
my mother was very smart. I was the fourth child and she was tired of having children. So she just left the screen door open. <laughs> and I was lucky enough to have an orchard just down over the irrigation ditch that I went to. And um, I thought a lot. I kept thinking about things that were happening in the family and trying to make sense of them and observing uh, the nature around me. And of course, getting into trouble as one does when one is little <clears throat> and getting in and doing things that maybe nobody knew about mm -hmm. because uh, I was sort of let go, let loose. Yep. So on this little tiny farm. And um, what can I say? I don't know. I just um, grew to thinking about things uh, and being rather an introvert. It's only in my dot, uh, you know, my dotage, my plat my Chicago life that I've become more of an extrovert. Yep. So does that so answer? It, do, it does. So you grew up, was it Oklahoma that you grew up? New Mexico, northern New Mexico. Okay, New Mexico. And you grew up in a rural area, it sounds like a farm, and you were the youngest of four? That's right. Now, do you have older, is it older brothers or, or mix? I had two older sisters and one older brother, and they're all gone. Okay, and were they, oh. I'm, I'm sorry, uh, were they much older than you? Well, yes, they were. My sisters were much older, and my brother was seven years older than I, and I was an accident. I was not planned, <laughs> which is, that's great, you know. Um, so you didn't have a, a neighborhood where there were lots of kids that you no. could interact with, so you were kind of on your own. I had to walk a, at least a mile to visit a, a my really good friend. Okay. So, so it sounds like you're one of those people like me with a very active brain and you were as a kid, which I was as well. Um, you know, my situation was a little different because um, I, I, well, I'm the youngest of five. Um, I have all sisters, but I grew up with lots of neighbors, lots of kids. So I did have an active brain, but I was able to talk about all these crazy ideas. And, you know, I think everyone thought I was a little bit of a, a wacky kid, but they, you know, they liked me and they were used I to. to you. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really special. And somebody listened to you as a kid. They did. Um, so when did you discover art? And was that immediately something that connected to what was going on in your head? Can you tell me about well, like I said, my mother raised chickens and she took care of a household and she did all that and she liked to read and the thing that was most important to her was making sure her youngest child was sort of out of the way. Sure. So um, she brought, uh, bought um, tempera paint and brushes and paper and let me go to my room or be in the living room with a bridge table and a glass of milk and a glass of water. And I 
painted from from the very beginning. I can't remember when I haven't painted. I painted all kinds of things and being the only one in my family that liked music, I listened to opera on Saturday. Okay. Yeah. And um, classical music. Nobody else listened to classical music. Matter right. of fact, my house was silent. It was a silent house. So um, I did a lot of my learning by listening to the radio. I heard a harpsichord, which I had was just like, wow, <laughs> never heard such a thing in my life, you know. Of course, I also like country western songs too. Ooh, okay. <laughs> now, what age was this when you got, uh, got the these paints? I must have been four. Oh my goodness! Wow. So painting has been part of of you for your whole life. That's right. And it kept me out of trouble and out of the bars and off the streets. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> so. So this is kind of a weird question, but like, how would you describe your relationship to painting? Is it like a, a friend that you've had as a child? Like, how would you describe it? Oh, it's everything. Uh, it's not only a friend, but it can be an enemy. It can fight me. I learned to talk to it. I learned to um, talk to my work. I learned, I always was a narrative painter. Um, I had uh, my book house books. I don't know if you know what they are, uh, but they're like a series of books that have children's stories in them. And they have beautiful etchings. So as a child, I decided I would create a story using different pictures in the book. And so I would take a, a beautiful lady from one and draw her out and then a horse from another. And I started by making these visual collages um, out of these etchings, these wonderful etchings in this um, series of books. And I could see, I could make scenarios out of plucking images from all these different stories and reconfiguring them into my own story. And that's how I learned to draw. So it sounds like you had like a sense of confidence about what you were doing. Well, my, I was fortunate. My uh, second to the eldest sister was taking high school art classes. Mm. And she ended up being um, a very well-known embroiderer in Santa Fe. So she had to babysit me. So she would take me and her paints and my paints outside. Hmm. And she would instruct me. So she was really my first teacher. Yeah. And uh, I, I can remember, I can, this is what is so really exciting. I remember that you can ruin things. And that it's okay, because I remember sitting next to her, and she did this wonderful, wonderful landscape of the trees and the house and blah, blah, blah. And it was just wonderful. And the next minute, she screwed it up. <laughs> and I saw, I mean, I saw her frustrated and upset. 
but then I saw her go back, I mean, pull out another piece of paper and go back. And I realized then that it, it's, it's an ongoing process, that you're going to lose some and you're going to win some. And I was little when I realized that this is what it's about. It's not about finishing something and making, you know, like pinning it on the ref refrigerator or something like that. It's a matter of process that you're constantly winning and losing at this game. And so I think that sort of held me together, the idea yeah. that you can screw up. Yep. And it's I, okay. Yeah. And I think that is, that is a lesson that applies to everything in life. So that's wonderful that you learned that as a kid. Um, yeah. yeah, it certainly it certainly applies to art, but um, you don't want you don't want to quit just because something isn't working, or you can't feel like you're a failure because something isn't working. It's part of a process, and you got to yeah. stick with it, and you got to stay stay and with I it. Do you feel the same way? It's a learning thing. Every time you do a podcast, you learn something. Every time you do a painting, you're learning something. Sometimes they don't work out. Sometimes they're tremendous successes, but really when you start, you have no idea what's going to happen. And it's sort of an adventure. It is. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned that your sister was your first teacher. Um, mm -hmm. When did you start getting more, like instruction in art? Because I'm very curious about this part of your story, um, having such a history and a lot you know, um, of pr producing all of this artwork and sketches before you even have like formal art training. When did you actually start getting, or did you ever get formal art training? Well, you know, we learn from many different sources. Uh huh. Um, and a, an artist, a musician has their ears, right? Uh -huh. An artist has their eyes. Was that there was an artist by the name, a folk artist by the name of Varela. And my mother's cousin had a, a gallery in Taos. And we would go visit her aunt, uh, the Aunt Maggie and her cousin at the gallery. And in the gallery, they had all the Taos, famous Taos artists, okay, their paintings. Well, I knew them. I wasn't interested in seeing another Adobe house. Okay. What I was interested in was uh, the sculpture that Barella made, okay. which was folk art. And uh, in, in one corner of their uh, gallery was what is called a card of death, which is created by, was created by uh, Pentatentes, which was is a religious offshoot of Catholicism. And it's a sculpture of a skeleton in a cart with bow and arrow and mica in its eyes. So when you look at it, the mica flashes and there's this feeling that it's alive. Okay. And then on the floor of the uh, gallery, was this beautiful uh, cottonwood sculpture of a snake that was winding around with its mouth open, ready to devour a cottonwood rabbit. 
and those things that are, I can remember sitting there, I must have been five, six years old, sitting there and realizing that that's really what I loved. I mean, I, the other paintings, they were wonderful. I understood color, I looked at color, but it was the emotion, the emotion created by these pieces that I really gravitated to. And of course, they had a lot of santos. I mean, these are the things that inspired me. Thank you for sharing all that. Um, so you were activated, stimulated, and inspired. You were inspired to do what? You were inspired to create something? You were inspired to paint? You were inspired to, t tell me more about like what you were inspired to do. Well, I, I, all I know is that um, I wanted to tell, I never, I, it, it wasn't until recently that I realized what my work was about. And um, my work is really about grief. And there's all kinds of grief. You know, there's grief of a death, there's grief of youth, there's grief, you know, there's all kinds of grief. And I realized that when I was looking at, reflecting back, I'm really realizing that was I the snake or was I the rabbit? Was this a, a skeleton for me or was I the skeleton? You know, it, I mean, it's the, I like that little twist, the little, the little thing that makes people question. Yeah. Um, the hidden things in work, um, the realization that maybe you don't know everything that's going on. Um, I don't know everything that's going on. That kind of trying to put that into work. Yeah. So I think what I'm trying to figure out, so this is great, great answers. Um, I think what I'm trying to figure out is, so it's one thing to be seeing other, you know, people's work and seeing the snake and the rabbit and seeing yourself in there and trying to figure out where do I fit in um, and getting all these ideas, but that it's something else to be in your studio or at home on the, on the bridge table and creating stuff. So I guess I'm trying to figure out when you were younger, how seeing all of that stuff, and if you don't have an answer, that's fine. How, what was happening that it, you wanted, that it was be re, routing through you and that you wanted to express it on paper or canvas? I don't know. I wasn't good at anything else. Mm -hmm. And you felt that you were good at this? And I felt that this was this. I was good at this. Nice. I, I knew I knew how to do this. I yeah. can't do math. I'm a yep. terrible speller. Um, I wasn't good at school. Uh huh. But I always was the better artist. <laughs> yeah. And I always had a different take on art. Um, so how did you know that? you could do it well is it because people were telling you or was it you were looking at it and you knew this is great 
I suppose it'd be both. Both. The grade school that I went to, the principal asked me to do a um, painting of the school. Well, I'm sure what he thought I would do would be a lovely little landscape painting with this lovely little old fashioned school that looked like a castle. Well, I didn't. I think I disappointed the person. At that time, um, on Life Magazine, or was it Post Magazine? I'm not sure. Um, what's his name? The commercial artist. Um, Rockwell? Rockwell did a painting of children all over the place. And what I did was I took a close-up of this school and I painted children falling out of the windows and running around and doing wild and crazy things. And that was an oil painting too. Um, how, how old were you? I must have been eight or nine, something That's like that. That's incredible. And what did the principal think? They they hung it in they hung it in at the school. I hear that the school has since burnt down, and that the painting burnt up with it. Mm. But I don't think that that's the idea that the principal had. I'm sure that the principal wanted this lovely painting of the school. So that's fascinating to me. So when, did you think that that's what he wanted or did you not even, are you just like, obviously you can look back and realize that's what the principal would have expected. When you were eight years old and it was requested, did you even think that or did you just paint what you I just of? painted what I wanted to paint. I guess nobody told me what to paint. I guess if they had said we want a nice little landscape with a tree and swings, I would have done that. But they just requested a painting. So I did the painting that I wanted to paint. <laughs> and I don't know. I mean, it wasn't until later thinking about it. And I thought, oh, my God, that poor principal. She didn't want my painting. She wanted a landscape painting. She wanted an architectural painting. I think that's amazing. That's great. So let's, I want to know about um, your, your thoughts or your relationship to like formal art training. Um, I, I went, I took a class at the Florence Academy of Art. Have you heard of that in Florence, Italy? And it's like super rigid, you know, in oh, terms yeah, of- like What's his name here in Chicago? Very rigid. You have to do plaster casts to start. Yeah, exactly. With. All that. I thought it was great, um, but I. That is a. That it's just interesting to think of that sort of formal rigid training against like someone who started painting as a four-year-old and and had it as part of their uh, being at such a young age. Formal, the formal issues are very important in order to carry off your own, your own thrust. Right. So that was, uh, you, you, and you mean things such as composition, value, hue, like all right. that type right. of stuff. Okay. That. And right. you start, and so you, you started to learn all that as a, it sounds pretty young as a teenager. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 
oh yeah, I understood that. I understood it. I mean, I don't know where it came from. Maybe it was genetic. I don't know. But I don't know where it came from. I understood it. To get better at it is yeah. another trick. I, I, I feel the same way. Um, I feel that, uh, particularly composition. Uh, I think it's maybe because I started, I'm not sure, but composition is something that I've always been very, like I got it immediately. And honestly, even when I learned about value um, and saturation and hue, all that stuff made complete sense to me. Now, actually being able to control it with my paintbrush and my palette, that's, that's, another, whole, that's another whole story. Yeah, and, that's I think, that's and, I, and I think understanding it actually probably causes me more frustration because, you know, I can see where I'm not fulfilling what, you know, what I, uh, what I want. So in your email to me, you mentioned, I wish I had the exact words, but you, you use something, you, you stated that like your artwork is, is kind of like you. Yeah. And that's how you feel. You feel like that is how you connect with the world. Yes. Yes. Um, Yes, particularly as I'm getting older. I mean, it's definitely, that's me. I mean, if we have an essence, that's the essence, you know, that's it. I, I don't know. I mean, I had that discussion last night with Umberto about um, that I, I don't really care if, um, if museums have my paintings and if they survive and all of that, I don't care. I really don't. What I care about is the next idea that I have. And am I able to execute it? Uh-huh. Oh, I think all that fluff is really nice. I mean, I think that's really nice that you interview me and that I had a retrospective and all that. That's, that's, that's much, very much of an honor. That's very nice. But that's not the reason that I work. That's not the reason why I do what I do. I, I have this feeling that we are all traveling. Mm -hmm. Some of us travel outward. They're outward travelers. They're out in the world. I'm an inward traveler. And I have traveled deeper and deeper into my inner thoughts over the years. And Well, that makes sense to me. But what it makes me think is what if you didn't have, because there's a lot of people that are have a personality type like you, where they are very much inside themselves and there's a lot going on and they're that's how they're traveling through the world is in their head we have the wonderful advantage that we get to you have this outlet and you have this skill so that you can express all this stuff there's people that are have a similar you know mindset as you and they don't have a creative outlet <laughs> so they're just traveling through life and no one gets to know what's going on no, I mean, that's, well, you know, I teach people like that. I teach people, I did, I'm, I'm, I've retired from teaching now. <clears throat> um, but I have taught people 
who wanted to be artists when they were 18, but their mother told them they should be an accountant. And so now at whatever, 62, when they retire, they decide they want to be artists again. Yeah, what happens? I try to help them. Yeah. Be that artist again. Uh, is it possible? They, is it possible? Yes, it is possible. It's a long, it's a long road, but it's possible. It, it's not whether you show, you know, it's not whether you <clears throat> have a, have a painting in a, in a, somebody else's home. It's that expression, getting that feeling, getting your adventure, your images, your ideas out somewhere and okay. struggling with those issues that, that makes you alive. I guess <laughs> you're making me think about about me and my artwork and and what am I doing? That's what you're making me think here. Well, whether I, whether I'm focusing too much on whether or not people are interested in what I'm producing, as opposed to don't worry about people, don't worry about others. It's always in the work. It's always in the work, and that's what I've always told my kids and my granddaughter, and it's always in the work. What people think, you have nothing to do with what they say. You cannot base your life on what they think because believe me, most of the time, they don't think, okay? And they're not thinking on your level anyway or on your wavelength anyway. Don't worry about what other people think. Improve the, what is your narrative? What, is you, right. what are you trying to say? And let the chips fall where they may. Because you can't, you can't do anything about that. Yeah. Just you, the only thing you can do about is making yourself a better artist. And finding your narrative or your vision or your whatever. And my God, that's hard enough. Yeah. That is hard enough. So... Do you do you feel like there is something core about your artwork that has been consistent since you were a little girl or has it, everything just completely changed over the years? No, there's, I think there's some good core. Like I say, I think that I, I am a narrative painter. I tell a story. I'm a storyteller. I come from a family of storytellers. I tell a, a narrative that's probably based more in grief uh, and trying to understand uh, life and death kinds of things. Yeah, I think that's always been the core. Um, always. And nature and ecology. And I, I think that's always been the core. Always. Okay. Okay. One way or another. <laughs> right. So what do you tell people, uh, people that are listening to this, that maybe were art, art, artists as kids and they're now accountants and now they're looking to be either an artist or more create, creative? What, would you, what advice would you tell them? Draw an apple. That's what I would tell them. 
draw an apple. Think about the apple in as many different ways as you can think about it. And I think that we'll start, oh, it could be a cucumber, or it could be a banana, or it could be an egg, but draw it in as many different ways as you can think to draw it. And I think that will begin to break your ice. Okay. It's very simple. Just take up a pencil and a piece of paper and draw an apple. So you think people are, think people in society are kind of iced up? What do you mean by iced up? Well, you said it'll break the ice, meaning that people oh, are. Well, you know, your own, it'll start the flow, your own creative flow. Uh, you have to break, you have to break down your own barriers. Right. I mean, if you haven't been, if you have always wanted to be an artist and you were told you couldn't be an artist and you were an accountant or you were whatever, you know, whatever you were, a lawyer, um, and all of a sudden you said, okay, I really want to do what I wanted to do when I was 19 years old then you have, you have a lot of barriers there. Sure. You have a lot of things that are keeping you from doing this. You have a guilt. <laughs> you have, uh, you know, you have lots of things that are just keeping you from of course. achieving that. And so the thing to do is to say, okay, first step, I'm going to draw an apple. Yeah, that's an easy, easy thing to start with. Right, and then I'm going to draw the apple like a cubist would draw the apple. I tell people uh, to dry, to when you're having your coffee in the morning, rather than being on your phone or on your computer checking the news, have your coffee and draw a, a coffee mug and draw a coffee yes, mug every day. Doesn't make it, and then, and then if you get yourself a little, uh, a bunch of paint, I don't know. I, like I said, I love gouache because it's so, it can be so tidy then, and you get an art book and then you look, oh, gee whiz, look at that. What if I did a painting like Matisse? Mm -hmm. Why would I draw my coffee cup like Matisse? <laughs> and all of a sudden, uh, pointillism, what if I did, what if I did my coffee cup or my apple like I was Surratt? Mm -hmm. I mean, all of a sudden, you're starting to break down and you're starting to learn different things. And I would say by the 20th drawing, you would have a pretty good idea of what you were doing. <laughs> I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's easy. That's where we all start. Yeah. So, okay. That is, that is a good answer, a good answer to my question. Well, Eleanor, thank you very much for chatting with me. This has been great. Oh, you're such a darling. <laughs> and this has been fun. And anytime you want to chat again, I'd love to chat with you. My name is Ricky McGeckrin, and you have been listening to Eager to Know, the podcast. If you haven't already, please go to Apple Podcasts 
and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Eager to Know podcast.